What is up, everybody? Today we're talking about Bill Cosby's jail time and a lot more on BHL's The Trend. Y'all acting like y'all don't want to dance to this song. Hey. Come on now. Nate's ready to hit the part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're ready to hit the note. I can hit that note. Oh, I know. I know you can. I know you can. I believe you, brother. I believe you. Very well in the shower. <laughs> Little echo system. Yeah. yeah. I sound like Beyonce. I sound like Prince when I'm in the okay. shower too. Yeah. I sound like a male Beyonce. <laughs> we can do a duet. We yeah, can do yeah, a duet. Yeah, yeah. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the trend. I'm your host, Dario Kristen. Joining me today, I got an all male panel. This is very rare in this studio for my show. All right, Courtney's yes, not here sir. today. Congratulations to her. She's actually uh, entering her film into the Catalina Film Festival, so she's out today. But joining me are three brothers. I'm going to say all the authors are joining me today. We got Dr. Chris. Hey, what's up? We got Nathan Hale with us today. Yes, sir. And Happy we got to be here. Marion uh, e. Brooks with us today Hello. as well. So this is, I mean, I'm I'm overwhelmed with the excitement because we got a lot of good topics we're going to talk about today. We're going to go in. Uh, we're yes, going in. Right. Let's uh, go in. But before we go in, I'm going to talk about these books that you guys got going on because you two have What You Don't Know Is Hurting You, uh, Keys to a Phenomenal Career. It's already number one. Uh, you guys can get it on Amazon and and it's anywhere uh, it's books are sold. Anywhere books are sold. We just went to a great premiere party for you, yes. and you, they're going to go to a local city soon. You know, Dallas is next, I believe, October 11th uh, in Dallas. So be sure to pick up that book. And then, Dr. Chris, you got a lot of stuff going on. You got a new book coming out as well in yes. 2019. Yeah, right? January 19th, 2019. And what's the title? It's called uh, "The Search for America's Soul." Search for America's Soul, but you already have. Why did we stand? I hope, you, for America's I hope soul. you can tell us how to find it after today. Yes, I exactly. can tell you. <laughs> listen, we, we need that. That's a good same way. Parents, baby. Yeah, that's right. So we're gonna start off though. We have a, a trending video of the week. So Mr. Will Smith, he just celebrated his 50th birthday, and he did it in a style. He jumped out of a helicopter. Mm. He bungee jumped out of a helicopter. We got a quick video. We're gonna show you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> See, I, I could say, no, I couldn't. I, I, okay, let's just let's just go ahead and get in on this video. All right. So, first of all, congratulations, Will. Yeah, you know we, we love yes, Will. Sir. He brought all of his family and friends. They they jumped. You know, he he jumped in front of his family and friends, and you can see from his reactions and from their reaction, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's not on my uh, bucket list. No. Well, you no. know, not either. Me neither. I mean, you know, we kind of joke that black people don't do that kind of thing. Right. And he's actually joked about it moving up to the event. And that's actually why he did it. So the things surrounded it about overcoming your fears or, and whatever, it was very inspirational and positive. And he's one of my favorite celebrities on Instagram. But I'm going to let Big Willie do this, his style. I would yeah. never jump out of a helicopter <laughs> no. on a bungee. No. It's just, I'm not meant for that. No. Me Marion's like, no, no, no. Not, not a chance. No. Not a chance. No, what about you, Dr. Chris? No, I'll definitely do that. Well, oh, oh, definitely. Oh, I say definitely not. No, I haven't done it before, but I'll definitely do that. Why would you say that? Because I'm one of these people who I believe in doing those things that people are not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And there is such an adrenaline rush. I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, been in a helicopter. Nope. But taking that helicopter and then bungee jumping out of yeah, that. Yeah, no. Oh, man. Whoa. That will be the biggest rush 
you could ever get. I'll definitely do that. I'm going to take your word for it. I'll be down, I'll be down and, uh, with a cocktail to cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be down there with Nate, have a cocktail, and I'll be clapping for you when you get down to the ground. No, I'll definitely do I never want to be, I you know, it's... I never want to be in a private plane, like, cause I don't like small. I've never taken a helicopter because, but it's my own personal phobia that I'm not really too keen on getting over. I'm cool with my phobia. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did the <laughs> helicopter in Hawaii. Did you? Were you scared? Oh no, it was amazing. Oh okay. Didn't have the glass bottom. No. Okay. I did the helicopter in Vegas for my birthday, but it was fun. It was an experience, but I felt like every time the wind hit that I was about to hit the top of the building, and yeah, but the bungee jumping, I just, I don't think I'd be able to survive it. I think that literally, as I'm jumping out of a plane or a helicopter or whatever, my heart would instantly just, it just, it would stop. No. I cried while parasailing in the Bahamas. I literally, as a grown man, (laughs) cried while parasailing. And you know, like, there's not much that can happen to you in a parasailing. Right now, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to leave that one. Oh, go ahead. After the fear, was it fun? No, I was crying during the the whole time. time. No, I couldn't even enjoy it because I'm scared of heights. Ah, okay. 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 Well, that makes okay. sense. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Got that. Well, it must be rough on a plane then for you. No, I feel like the bigger the plane, the better because then I don't even I don't even notice it. Like I don't even. Okay. I'm not. I fly too much to be scared of flying. I would right. never. I would never do anything if I was scared of flying. But um, the the little things like helicopters and little bitty planes. You're no. not, you're not yeah. See, I, I, I just look at it from the opposite standpoint. The big planes. I, I'm not really with that. From the private jet or the helicopter? Oh, I'm good. You're all about but that. you know, the bigger planes have. If I'm also a statistics person, they don't fall out the air much. It's right. the little planes right. and the helicopters that have the that's most true. incidents of accidents. Yeah, that's, but that's true. you know, fatalities. For me, when I'm on the plane, I'm lit. So I'm okay. Good. Okay. Uh-oh. All right, Doctor Chris. Chris was like, "Look, he said, he said, he said I was in the lounge, right? Ready by the time I get out, I'm right. going no way, right. right? Right? So whatever. Doctor, I was not expecting that answer. Yeah. I want to roll with Doctor Chris. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. What's your lid of choice? Right. What's your lid of choice? Right. Well, it depends. So I can do uh, Jack and Coke. Okay. Uh, I could do cannabis. Okay. Uh, I could do any of those okay. or any combination. And okay. I do this really good drink in the morning. Okay. It's called in Jack and Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, Jack and, <laughs> Jack and Joe? Jack and Joe. So let me tell you about Jack and Joe. Okay. It's coffee, Bailey's, and Honey Jack. Yo, that's the that's way. That's oh. Are you really Wait, that's your, oh. that's your AM drink? <laughs> that's is that AM on the record? Yeah. It's 12 o'clock somewhere. Let me find out. That's the AM somewhere. drink. I, listen, I want that recipe. I know, right? Yeah, look, that's the AM drink. Okay. But you see, you you, you got to do it in a styrofoam cup, though. Oh, okay. You can't do it in a regular cup. Because then, then everybody nah. will know your, your Stilo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you do it in a styrofoam cup, like, yeah, yeah, that's a really good uh, taste of Starbucks. Right. Yeah. See, now I know when you got that extra smile on CNN with that extra smile is all he's like yeah I'm like hey I'm like he's like about the politics (laughs) yeah so now you made you made my drink for today (laughs) yeah see there you go Now, obviously, that was Will Smith's bu- part of his bucket list. I would assume. Yeah. What's on? What's one item that's on your bucket list that you'd like to do? Triathlon. Okay, that's. A, I was expecting you to be like, I'm jumping off a volcano. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the triathlon is good for me, and I especially want to do that in combination with the polar bear. Uh, oh, okay. Swim. Oh yeah. Oh, I would absolutely love that mm-hmm. polar okay. bear swim. The triathlon. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, you're doing all the stuff I will never do. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm ever. good with that. <laughs> what um, about you? Mine is, and I'm, I'm going to do it for my 45th birthday. I want to have a Nathan Slam. I'm a huge tennis is my favorite sport, so I want to go to all of the Grand Slams in the calendar year. Oh, that's dope. And so hopefully, it looks like Serena will still be playing in three years. So hopefully, she'll still be playing, and I get to see her. But I want to do a, a Nathan Slam. Okay. Yeah. I actually did mine. It was ziplining in Costa Rica. Okay. In the rainforest. Oh. Okay. Most amazing. Now, initially, it's so high up, you're in the clouds when you start. I was terrified. By the end, I was turning backwards. I was doing all these things. So that was that. Did the you other cry? One, no. Okay. No, I loved it. Were you lit? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. That would have no. made it better. <laughs> so my new one is to um, do uh, parasailing. Okay. Because I haven't oh, yeah. done that. Parasailing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's the new one. Uh, I, I'd like to is, is going to go against all my rules but I just have this fascination with it I like to swim in a cage with sharks like like maybe you know I don't know about the great white sharks per se but like the you know sharks like I don't know now you're in a cage and they're around you yeah you know oh, not they, in yeah. the cage no no not with me you said in with the sharks oh no not with the sharks sorry I'm I'm in the cage and they're in the ocean I would do that I would do that I would do just like I don't know I've always wanted to do it even though it's a little bit of a fear of somehow that thing getting cut and falling to the bottom of the ocean but I want to do it I kind of want to try it that I actually would do because as long as the cage is protecting me yeah and I like the water so anything in the water I'm good above the water yeah so scuba diving is good for you guys I scuba diving yeah yeah I snorkel and all of that I have a bigger fear of that than bungee jumping out of a plane why what's that you afraid of the guppies the fish it's just something about getting stuck down there I feel you I feel you Let's see, but all right, all right. So we're gonna move on uh, to a more serious topic. Um, we, uh, you know, if you got a television or if you got the, the whatever the internet, whatever, you know what's happened to Bill Cosby. Uh, we found out this week that he was sentenced to three to ten years uh, for the 2004 sexual assault case against him, um, and we've all seen that really pathetic, sad mugshot that I just was like I can't get the image out of my head. So he will be permanently housed at the SCI Phoenix Prison. Um, in Collegeville, Pennsylvania, according to the state's Department of Corrections. Uh, to make matters worse, they found out, to, or they were saying today, that he's being sued for $282,000 um, in legal fees generated from um, the entertainer's civil and criminal uh, civil and criminal cases related to the sexual assault back from a law firm. So it's just like things just keep piling on for him. Um, now, what do you guys think as far as like the sentencing? Do you think that the sentencing was too harsh, or were you expecting this sentencing overall? You know, I'm, I'm an attorney as well, and you know, he he was convicted uh, of a crime, and that's the the sentencing that's within the sentencing guidelines. Um, and so, I don't think the sentencing was too harsh. Um, because, you know, I think the judge mentioned that he'd serve at least three years. At least three years, And yeah. we know how this goes. You know, the, the sentence is one thing. Judge, unfortunately, our prisons are overcrowded. He'll probably be out before the three years. But this man is how old? 81. He's 81. Yeah. So um, I don't think the sentencing was too harsh. Um, but I do have a whole bunch of layers of emotions around the, 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 the just the situation in general. Like what? So, you know, I think that you can... You can... Having grown up in the 80s, The Cosby Show is my favorite show of all time, and now I'm a, a, a television and film producer. Um, you can se- I can separate and bifurcate the different people. Bill Cosby, obviously, is not Cliff Huxtable. Right. We, we found that out about you know some years ago when he started shaming black people for being poor right. and wearing the jeans, and he didn't have... He wasn't apologetic then. And clearly, with you know 60 women... 
there's something going on there. And then he was, he was, no one said that the, the trial was a sham or he was set up or anything like that. He was rightfully convicted. Yeah. So he has to do his time. But I actually didn't see the mugshot and I actually didn't see him in handcuffs because I specifically did not want to see Bill Cosby's mugshot and in handcuffs because I still, that's indelible in my mind that I grew up. He, the Cosby show and, and Bill Cosby himself presented an image of black man and a black family that encouraged and inspired me and I just didn't want to see that so I have a bunch of mixed emotions I'm not a rape apologist at all I'm very pro-woman and he deserves to be in jail he did wrong and he deserves to be in jail he's rightfully convicted but the the, in the zeitgeist of seeing Bill Cosby someone who I admired for so long um, in handcuffs and going to jail it's just it's it's surreal to me yeah yeah for me it was um as Nathan said, you see both sides of it, and it's a really difficult thing to see someone at, with, at that level to be brought down so hard and so fast based on his own doing and not being apologetic about it, right? He still is denying it, and also all of the things that he was doing. My turn started when he started shaming black people, and he was talking about all these things. He was very high on the horse, right, mm-hmm. and looking down on everyone. So the fall to me, though, is still tragic. For yeah. Not just for black people, but for all people and yeah. for Americans, because he connected us in a way that we hadn't been connected before with the Cosby Show. And he inspired generations to go to college and individuals to connect and to talk that probably would have never talked because they saw us differently sure. based on the show. So that's the sad part. Now, as far as his sentencing is concerned, he's been convicted and he needs to go to jail. But I did read some things and see some things today that concerned me about like people throwing stuff and hitting him in the face, yeah. him falling downstairs. He's been convicted, but he should still be protected. Even, even time, in, no matter what someone has done, if they go to jail, they should not be put in a position where they are going to be brutalized or anything of that sort. I don't condone that for anyone. Our whole prison system needs to be reformed anyway. And let, let me I don't feel sorry for Bill Cosby at all. I just feel sorry for what the Cosby show and all his work at, you know, meant to the country. Yeah. It's, yeah. The Cosby Show changed. It changed the viewpoint of how uh, uh, black families were viewed. Exactly. Or to, to even non-black families. Right, you know? exactly. But that impact doesn't go away unless we take it away, right? Because I still look at the Cosby Show and I still see those things because Cliff Huxtable was not Bill Cosby and he never was. It's what it represented. So what that show represented, what all of those other amazing actors represented and did, should not be diminished based on what Bill Cosby did. But you'll never see the show. Cosby show again. No. Not on television. I know. and that's, and that's until they die and, you know. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Do you agree with that or, or disagree, Dr. Well, I, I, I think from the standpoint of the sentencing guidelines, that was correct. My concern, however, is the shenanigans concerning the bringing of the case in the first place, right on mm. the last day of the statute of no limitations. limitations. I mean, yeah. seriously, yeah. It, this has been going on uh, for so long. So that concerned me more than anything else. The guidelines are what the guidelines are. There was a conviction. Um, you know, I think his counsel was, in my view, inadequately uh, prepared. Uh, when you have agree with that. somebody mm-hmm. up there and you, you don't badger the way, because at that point it's all over. So, but my concern is really the shenanigans that led up to the prosecution. That's my concern. I absolutely believe that the sentence is not too harsh. 
Um, you know, for me, I, it's like, you know, the man is 81, you're going to put him in jail, but he's been convicted of a crime. So you can't be for law and order on the one hand and then say, yeah, except when somebody has privilege, power, or money. Yeah, right. that, that, that doesn't work. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not lost on me either, the juxtaposition of Bill Cosby and the fact that Donald Trump is the president, and then what happened today in those in those the Kavanaugh yeah. hearings? I mean, first of all, that woman was completely credible, in my opinion, from just a legal standpoint, credible, truthful, and he was unhinged. But he's on his way to the Supreme Court, and I'm not excusing Bill Cosby. I'm just saying that as as living living while black in America, you'd it's not lost on me that juxtaposition that Trump has been accused by 15 different women. Um, credible women, and he has been on tape admitting. Let's remember, Bill Cosby has denied this the entire time. He's never said, I did this. We have the President of the United States on tape admitting that he sexually assaults women, yeah. and millions of people still voted for him. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of women. women. A lot of women. So, yeah, for me, it's about equity and being fair and treating everyone the same. So there are a lot of people who deserve to be convicted. There are a lot of people that should be in court right now based on the same things that Bill Cosby did, but they are not. To Nathan's point, I don't excuse anyone, but we should treat everyone fairly. Yeah. And we should make sure that we hold everyone to the same standard, whether they're trying to get on the Supreme Court or they're trying to run for president. If it's a violation, if we find it that it find that it's reprehensible for one, it's reprehensible for all people who do it. And that's the issue that I'm having right now. Some people seem to be getting a pass for doing the same things. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's where we are, you know, unfortunately, politically even, we're, we're seeing it. Uh, you know, and I, I was reading today that that his star on the Walk of Fame was vandalized. They put, like, uh, I forgot the exact word. Serial rapist. Serial rapist yes. on there. Um, O.J. Simpson even came out of the blue and gave him Shut some up, advice. Shut up, O.J. Yeah, O.J. is giving OJ. him advice. On- <laughs> Shut up, O.J. <laughs> Get out of here, O.J. Yeah, O.J. needs to stop, right? <laughs> well, well, the only thing that O.J. did say that made sense to me is they were saying they want to put him, that's why I was talking about safety, into the general population right. eventually, yeah. and O.J. was saying they can't do they that. They can't that, do that, no. You, you do not do that because you're going to have that man in a position where he has no safety and you're going to put him in great danger. And I don't think that it's fair for them to do that anyway. No, I, I, I think that I feel like there's enough people that will protect him from that because it would not be a, a, a good thing for him. Because where is Bernie Madoff? Exactly. So that's my point. That's true. Yeah. That's my point. But they said that was. Marcus Stewart wasn't in general population. But but that's their goal. That was their goal. So that's what OJ was talking about. If that's their goal, that is insane to put that man in general population. So, Dr. Chris, do you think that there is definitely a double standard? Well, I, I, in the in the case of, of Trump, I think there's a distinction. The distinction here is that he's not being convicted of a crime. I think that's the distinction here. But they didn't even pursue it. No, they haven't. The prosecution has not pursued anything because nothing's been reported to the prosecution. That's not true. Yeah, he's he's had he's had victims that have been represented by Gloria Allred that have made criminal charges against him. All of that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. However, the standard relative to uh, being able to meet the uh, convict the uh, indictment standard simply has not held up. I think that's the distinction here. And so even if, 
you know, I got my own issues with Corey. But even if those things, he's not been convicted of a crime. And so I think that's part of the issue. I think with the hearings, with the, with the hearings, Republicans have made several tactical mistakes. Mistake number one, the way that the hearing went on today, you hire a sex crimes prosecutor. The contradiction, and I've said this, the contradiction for me is, as Republicans, we don't believe supposedly in affirmative action and we don't uh, believe in political correctness, except when you don't want to have a bunch of white men uh, angrily questioning a woman. That is a significant tactical mistake. From and then you have the, the nominee himself become an angry white man. Right. <laughs> you know? well, and and, and the, the, the problem for me with this entire thing is the institution of the Supreme Court of the United States. A nominee to the Supreme Court of the United States should never behave in the, this entire thing to me. It, it, it's, it's a threat to the republic and the way that it was conducted. Can you imagine if RBG had acted like that? <sighs> in oh, her, yeah, I can't, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, first of all, she wouldn't, right? Because that's she has the decorum and the demeanor yeah. of a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And that that was, uh, charges aside, that was actually I know this is not on our topics, but charges aside, that was the thing that struck me the most because you know even even their prosecutor said this is not a truth finding, this is not the way we should do this. Even the person that they hired said that. But what disturbed me the most was his comportment, his demeanor, and his rebuttal. And I'm like, that's not what, that shouldn't be able to be on the highest court for the life, the rest of his life. Right. Yeah, but we're living in a very different political environment. So in this particular political environment, those are the things that are acceptable. And so I think in the context of America, we have to ask the question, is this the America we want to be? And what has happened to America's soul? I mean, I think that's the question. That's worth a discussion. In my view, you can disagree with people. I can disagree with people all day long. But I'm going to attack the argument. I'm not going to attack the person. And that's where we find ourselves. And so there is this base that essentially says he needs to come out fighting. Okay, Maybe a short-term win, but the question becomes, does that undermine the republic? And that's the question that nobody's talking about. Oh, no, I but think Dr. plenty of people are talking about it. I think that the, the tenor of this country changed on November 8, 2016. And they, they, one thing that I will give Donald Trump, he has not pulled out any surprises. We knew we who knew this was. man was. Yeah. He and was unapologetic about who he was and they elected him anyway. So there was a there were there are you know what 58 million Americans who wanted us to go down this road. Yeah, because in fact well there were two things. One, they were people who believed that that's who we should uh, elect. And we also had from the Democratic Party standpoint a very flawed candidate. When you introduce Don't nobody better say nothing about Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you introduce So Dr. Charles, I have okay, go ahead and finish yeah, it no, out, but, but I, when you introduce somebody like Hillary Clinton, 
into the mix. And when Hillary uh, gets the data that, in fact, people who are coming out to vote early and people who are registering are from rural Wisconsin, they're from rural Pennsylvania, when you get that message, you don't just say, oh, yeah, okay, that's just Democrats coming home. It's not. And when you decide, when the people of Wisconsin put together all these rallies and you simply don't show up, hey, you know, you get what you get. And, and, and that, I think... Well, also 100 million people did not vote. Well, they did not. <laughs> and I was going to say, you know, it's a combination. three million yeah. more people still voted for her. Well, so they did. They but, voted but, for him. Yeah, but we have the electoral college. No, no, I'm just saying that. I'm just saying, but more people... Which was to protect the slave so, states. But I was going to say... Let's be we, clear. But when we talk about the republic, more people in the republic felt she was a better choice. And we have to look in the mirror at ourselves as a country. The way he's behaving, which you were talking about with the nominee for the Supreme Court... He's acting no differently than the president acts every day. Well, and that's, that's true. true. And, and, so who, and think, they encouraged him and to they do encouraged that. It. And, but when you think about it, the scary part for me is that that's the example we're teaching our children. So our children are seeing that bullying and acting that way and not being able to take responsibility and, and attacking right. people is the way that you rise to success. Yeah. And that's the scary part in this whole conversation to me. Well, and it, the, the, the question, though, is as Americans in general, we have outsourced um, our the Republican. Here's what I mean by that. We believe that we vote for somebody and then they do whatever and that we are not actively holding people accountable. Hundred percent. That is the problem with undermining the Republic. It's like, okay, so yeah, I voted for such and such. And then when we hear the question about, for example, term limits, people argue with me all the time. Well, term limits are not in the Constitution. Neither was... There's a lot that's not in the Constitution. Yeah, there's a lot that's not in the, in the Constitution, but that's not an excuse. Y'all like us voting. Yeah, if, 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 in fact, what we say is we're going to hold people accountable by taking action, what we're doing is just kind of simply, okay, well, yeah, I said my person. And then you hear, throw the bums out, just don't throw out my bum. Well, your bum is part of the problem. So until we're able to do that the republic is going to continue to be undermined. We cannot outsource responsibility. That's how, that's the kind of country we've become. Well, well we hopefully we'll start with voting. Let's start baby steps. Register and vote. Let's start there. Because then we can't complain if, if people can't complain if they're not doing what they need to do. If you don't right. show up to the polls, exactly. I don't no, want to hear. I don't want to hear. And not just for the presidential elections. No, we have to, because all these senators and congressmen that are allowing these things to happen and sitting in these chairs of power are because of the local and the yeah. regional Our and the state and local. local. And when it's not a big election, we don't show up. So we have to start voting at all levels so we can make sure that we shift the country. The way we take our power back, the way that the republic moves in the right direction, they listen when we vote. And yeah. they react to what we say is appropriate and inappropriate. The fact is, is that people feel powerless and feel, oh, my vote doesn't matter. So you let the people who right. are in power stay in power. Yeah. Well, in November, well, we can change all of this and Trump will have some guide guardrails that he is not used to. The if, way it's set up to be. It, right. The way it's Checks set up and balance. Yeah, But you look at things like, for example, we don't understand basic civics. What we don't understand is... Because the, they're not teaching it. Yeah, they're not teaching it anymore, which is part of the problem. What we don't understand is 
the president, okay, great. Senators, okay, great. But at the end of the day, it is the governors who decide what your district is going to look like. Exactly. But we don't want to get out and vote for the governors. We don't want to, and, and it is the local politicians. Until we understand that, and, oh, well, I voted for the president. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, people aren't educated. Yeah, to and, know and there, there's that. a reason why education in, in certain communities is the way it is for that very reason. And But, you know, we could talk about yeah, this all day. Yeah. All day. <laughs> we could. We could. <laughs> so we're, we're going to move on. But we'd like to hear you guys comment. So make sure that you, uh, you know, in the YouTube conversation, let us know what you guys are thinking about some of the things we had to talk about today. Uh, I know we detoured a little bit. We got a little political. But we also were referencing back to Bill, Bill Cosby and his sentencing. And also we're going to be talking about Jeffrey Owens because that's one of Bill Cosby's former cast members and he's been in the news lately because of being job shamed Mm -hmm. Uh, as you know and as you've heard he was working at Trader Joe's right by my house by your house and uh, people caught wind of that and they went viral on social media and they shamed him for working at Trader Joe's now since then uh, he's done a circuit of different news uh, stations Mm -hmm. and different uh, you know uh, programs to talk about everything that was going on Nicki Minaj Miss Nicki Minaj gave offered to give him 25k uh, and she has come forward and given him that money. Now it was just released that he actually donated that money to charity. And I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of I, I, I feel the same I, way. I, I think I'm tired about my feelings about this a little bit. <laughs> Me I mean, too. I'm not trying to judge you, Jeffrey, when I say this. But if you just went through this whole thing about you weren't working, you you, you know, you got a family, you're working at Trader Joe's to take care of your family, why would you give that $25,000 away to charity? Don't get me wrong. We need to give money to charity. Don't get me wrong. When we but can afford to give. When, when we can afford to. I mean, yes, since then he's been offered from Tyler Perry to work on the have and have nots. Uh, he also is, uh, uh, I guess, making a guest appearance on NCIS New Orleans. And Hillary Swank's upcoming movie called The the Fatality or uh, Fatal, uh, one of those two. If I'm hey, D, can I jump in on this? Yes. If somebody gifts you $25,000, it's over the tax limit for a gift, so it puts you into a higher tax bracket. So if he was not expecting that this year and he got that, it's uh, it's deductible from your taxes to do a donation as opposed to getting a huge gift like that. So it might have jumped him up, and he would have had to pay out of that twenty-five k probably eight k and pay the extra taxes for being in a higher tax bracket. So it actually financially kind of makes sense to me. I don't know if that's the case, but that's what I would assume from that statement. That's Stephen from that's our engineer Stephen from the booth. So, um, thank you, Stephen, for that. I, but okay, but uh, even, and I feel you. But I'm about to say, yeah. break the installment payments up. Give me I, I and, and, and also and and also. I, I think you know. I believe in altruism and philanthropy. Um, first of all, I might not. I probably wouldn't have taken it from Nicki Minaj because I'm not a Nicki Minaj fan. I don't like the way she she conducts herself okay. in general. Um, but um, even with all the tax implications and and all that, let's say he ended up with an extra five thousand dollars. You know, when you're coming out of a situation like that, I just, I don't know, I just wouldn't have, I would have, I would have thought thought it through a little bit differently. I mean, I guess I'm not shaming him for giving it to charity. Absolutely not, no. I just probably personally, you know, would have used the money to, st- to help me continue to get back on my feet and take care of my family. Because yeah. my family would have been my first priority, yeah. which is what he was saying about why he took the job at, at Trader, Trader Joe's in the yeah. first place. Yeah. So if, you're, if your family is, if you're down on your luck at a point and your family's your first priority and someone gives you, uh, you know, and I, I would have said that was God. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Me too. And um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, you know, I would have put my family first. See, see I, I agreed with what he did. Okay, and what's your reasoning for that? Because but he rich. <laughs> <laughs> see, you in that different tax bracket. See, no, no. The reason because 
of the benevolence. And if you really pay attention to what he did with the money, where he sent the money, and then I found out that he actually, in the last uh, days of Russell from the show who played Cliff's father, he lived with him, yeah. even though he was struggling. So that means that that man, Earl him, I think it's Earl Hill, mm-hmm. he was actually yeah. financially strapped at that point. So he donated it to an organization that helps actors. It is, yeah. Right? It's the like, Actors Home. The uh, actor, or Actors, uh, yeah, I believe it's the actor, yeah, Actors Fund. Excuse a- me, Actors, a- Fund. actors Fund. And yeah. so they help those actors because we think these people, we see them on TV, we think they're rich for the rest of their lives, but a lot of them struggle. So this is an organization that actually helps them when they are in need. Yeah. And he actually obviously is a very uh, benevolent person, someone who really cares about other people, and he's like, you know what? I got a windfall now. So he sees it, these three things that are coming up as his blessing, so he wanted to bless someone else. So I agree with you. The Reverend has shown up. I still agree. I need my church fan up here. You know what I'm saying? The Reverend has shown up. Now, this is what Jeffrey said. He said, I would like to give this donation of 25K to the Actors Fund in memory of the late, great Earl Hyman, who played Cosby's father, Russell, on The Cosby Show, as you said. He lived in he lived his last many years and died at the actor's home. Uh, so he, you know, he he gave it to the actor's fund, which I appreciate that. He said, I am grateful to Nicki Minaj for enabling struggling actors to continue pursuing their dreams. So That's amazing. You know, that's amazing, but I still think he should I have wouldn't have done it, it but yeah. that's amazing. Dr. Chris, what would you Well, look, I believe in karma. Yeah. And so my thing on this is, you know, the he gave it, it's going to come back to him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, so that's how I look at it. Well, listen, at the end of the day, I hate to say it, but the shaming actually resulted to something great for him. Because yeah. mm-hmm. no one was talking about him, and then no. now, with the, the this is why social media is a mother, but yeah. now his whole career game is changing. Yeah. You know? And hopefully that'll continue. So good luck with that, Jeffrey. So, all right, we're going to move on to you guys now. All right, so we got some great books and things going on all up on this. Uh, this panel right here. So let's start off with uh, Nate and Marion because you guys, your book is currently already selling out everywhere. And uh, as I mentioned the title already, I'll I'll say it again. What You Don't Know Is Hurting You, Four Keys to a Phenomenal Career is already number one in several categories on Amazon Mm -hmm. and a bestseller on Amazon. So tell people about the book who don't know about it. So the book, uh, the title is was my opportunity to share with everyone what the elite usually only get to know about. So there are four key things that will either accelerate or derail your career and your life. And as a high potential, according to the Harvard Business Review, only 5% of people are considered high potentials. And they get access to information, training, support that the other 95% of people don't receive. Only 5%? Yeah. According to the Harvard Business wow. Review, only, and if you're a woman... Are deemed fi- high potential. High potential. Yeah. Okay. And okay. if you're a woman or a person of color, it's even lower. Okay. So what I, I was one of those high potentials, and I've been a business executive for over 20 years, and now I'm an executive coach. And what I found is that the vast majority of the people that I mentor, that I coach, don't know these things. So I said, you know what? I am going to write a book, and I'm going to share with everyone what the elite know so everyone has an opportunity to grow. So you, I, oh, sorry. You, you can, so you can help move those people who aren't in that 5% into that 5% or higher? Well, actually, they don't even have to get into the 5%. They can just do their own thing. They can do it on their own. I like that. Right? 
Right. I, I've often said it's actually a book that I wish I had when I was entering the workforce. Um, we were just talking after our, our, our New York book signing. Um, I reread the book, and um, I was like, I always get something new from it. And I, you know, we were laughing. It was like it's not like we didn't write it. Like you know what I mean? But it's it's such a helpful book, not just for career, but also just life. We talk about emotional intelligence versus IQ. Your IQ will only take you so far, but really, it's your emotional t- intelligence that is a real indicator of your potential for success. And what Marion teaches is just phenomenal. And he's such a great conduit for um, encouraging people to reach their best level. And I I just think it's a a must-have book for anybody, particularly people entering the workforce or people who feel stuck. Um, I think that those are the people that benefit the most, but everybody can. How did you two team up? Actually, it was through a mutual friend. So part of the book in the positioning section, I talk about if you want to do anything great that you haven't done before, find someone who's great at doing it. So to be a mentor. So I reached out to Nathan through a friend, uh, Ryan Laurie, said, why don't you call Nathan and ask him about becoming an author? Because I wanted to write a book, but I had no idea how. So I went to him for advice. He read all of the stuff that I had written, and he was like, I think we should partner on this. And I was floored that he was interested, and that's how the magic began. And how long did it take you guys to put the book together? Two years Two from years. from from the, that meeting to uh, publishing, and you know, I I I don't say this just because he's in the room. It's one of the best collaborations I've ever had. Um, I think that we complemented each other very very well. Where you know, I took was able to take some of his practices and put my little funny on them yeah. and and we just it was really a wonderful collaboration from beginning to end and I just I couldn't be more proud this is my fourth book but this is one of the ones I'm most look proud of look at you about. fourth book look at that fourth book I like that and why, why <laughs> right. do you think right. I went to him right. <laughs> right he knows what he's doing he yeah. knows what he's doing but I'm really proud of the sales it's number one bestseller and selling out and all those things but the feedback that I've been getting from people around the impact that it's having on them not even people who are starting their careers, but people who've been successful and realize, oh, that's what I've been missing to get to the next level. Those epiphanies and those insights and the tools that we're sharing that they're able to use, that's what's been uh, the greatest joy for so me. So that's the biggest thing you, you want people to take from the book is like how really to take their career to the next level, to how get, to do that. Because a lot of people get stuck and don't know how to do it, and you get you know consistent with certain bad habits. You exactly. Know or you become a victim of what someone else did or didn't do. So I want people to feel empowered at all times. You have options, and we show you how in this book to take advantage and, and live up to your full potential. Well, I and started it, reading it, so I'm in And one last thing I wanted to level. say, it doesn't matter what career you're in. I coach actors, politicians, business people. It doesn't matter what your career is. This applies to you. These principles apply no matter what you're doing. I and he, I just want, he's the real deal Holyfield. Like, he practices what he preaches. I, I, I can tell. Yeah, he's amazing. I can feel the energy. Yeah, he's oh. amazing. Thank you. And then we also have your book. You got uh, Divided We Stand, The Quest for America's Soul coming yes. out. And that's, is it January? January 19th. And what's that book all about? It's a uh, political book uh, because I am... Uh, one of the few black conservatives um, in the country. So what it does is really talks about the true roots of conservatism. I fundamentally believe that in America we should have a two-party system. I think in any case, you know, you cannot just rely on one party or the other. So it really just traces the roots of conservatism It explains the reasons why Trump was elected, looks at the Constitution so people can understand what the meaning of originalism is 
and then offer some solutions, some very controversial solutions, like, for example, you know, the issue of term limits. I, I know that there's going to be a whole lot of backlash about that, but, you know, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, so there are all of these things, and so I really, really just explain how we can move and really reclaim America's soul. I, and, and now, how long did it take you to put this book together? Well? Uh, it took me about six months to do it. Uh, and it's interesting because I am an academic by training, and so I all of my previous books, heavy citations, blah, 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 this was completely different. It's pretty much what my experience has been. So it took me six months from the conception to actually getting it Last week, finally, the Cali proof was done, and uh, so we're ready to we're ready to go. And then you have one already out right now: the construction and rearticulation of race in a post-racial America. Yeah, and so I I put the term post-racial in uh, because from my perspective, post suggests after, and in the context of America, we haven't addressed the issue of racism, so we therefore by definition, cannot be post-racial. You know, and I talk about the fact that people often say, well, I don't see color, I'm colorblind. And, you know, the issue is not whether you see color. The issue is how you respond to color or gender or whatever the particular uh, difference is. So I talk about that in there. And also, in that particular book, um, you know, as a conservative, I got a lot of flack because I'm talking about everybody from an inclusion standpoint. So they're like, well, how can you be a conservative and still support LGBT uh, rights? And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. From a conservative perspective, we don't want anybody in our business. So why is it your business? We get into these kind of hot debates about, well, it's, I'm like, okay, don't even pull the morality card. So it's, it's all of those kinds of things. So I talk about post-racialism really as a myth because, in fact, it's a myth. Right. So And, and a lot of it, too, had to do with the election of uh, President Obama and what some of the key challenges were there. I feel like a collaboration should happen right here. There's yes. a lot of educated brothers up in here writing books and, uh, you know, like really changing people's minds, you know, and I think that's what it's all about. So where can people find your book and how can they find you on social media as well? So you can find me at marionebrooks.com, so M-A-R-I-O-N-E-B-R-O-O-K-S.com, and also you can get the book on Amazon as well as my website. I am Nathan H. Williams on all my social media platforms, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find the book anywhere books are sold. Um, I think Amazon restocked it, and so it's no longer that. sold out. Yes. Right. Um, like so that? that's good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. good. And then Dr. Chris? You can find me, Dr. Chris Metzler. All my social media, right there. You can find me at Dario Christen on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Let's also give you the title of these books one more time. Uh, what You Don't Know Is Hurting You. Four Steps to a Phenomenal Career, and also, coming out in January, Divided We Stand, The Quest for America's Soul. But if you want to go ahead and get his uh, other book that's already out, The Construction and Rearticulation of Race in a Post-Racial America, you got to get it. Get educated. We getting educated. We trying to educate. Have a great weekend. Peace. Peace. Executives Kevin Undergaro, D. 
Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. Views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners.